0: Lesson 5 for January 28th through to February 3, The Baptism and Filling of the Holy Spirit Sabbath Afternoon, January 28th Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we've heard so much about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's difficult sometimes to understand, and as we open your word this week, we pray that it may be clear to us we pray your Holy Spirit will guide us, that each of us may be blessed during this study. In Jesus' name, Amen. Our memory text this week is John chapter 10 and verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Let's read that again, John 10, 10, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. As Christians, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Without him, our witness will be powerless and our Christian life nothing but a burden. We might have learning, talent and eloquence, but without the Spirit, we cannot experience life as God intended for us to. We will not have the assurance of salvation and will not know the joy that comes from serving our Lord. We will be Christians in name only, and a Christian in name only is not really a Christian at all. Jesus, however, wants us to live life to its fullest. He wants to give us life as it is meant to be, a life that is fulfilling and meaningful because it is rooted in the source of all life, Jesus Christ. He is the creator of all life and the only way to eternal life, as it says in John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This fullness is possible only by being joined to Him, and this can happen only through the Holy Spirit's working in our lives. This week, we will study what the Bible says about the baptism of the Spirit and what it means to be filled with Him. We will also look at some evidence that testifies that we are indeed filled with the Spirit Sunday, January twenty nine. The Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Question: Read Mark chapter one, verse eight, and compare it with Matthew three, eleven, and Luke three, sixteen, and John one, thirty-three, and then read Acts one, five, and Acts eleven, sixteen. What other rite of initiation goes together with the Baptism of the Holy Spirit? First of all, Mark chapter one, verse eight: I indeed baptized you with water, but He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to compare that with Matthew 3.11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And John 3.16. John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And John 1.33 I do not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And Acts chapter 1 and verse 5 For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now and acts 11:16 then i remembered the word of the lord how he said john indeed baptized with water but you shall be baptized with the holy spirit in the new testament there are only seven passages that speak about being baptized in the holy spirit four of those passages go back to john the baptist and point to pentecost here the holy spirit was given to usher in the beginning of the last days of salvation history john however in contrast to the other gospels does not use the future tense when speaking about the baptism of the spirit instead he uses a present participle indicating that this is something that has continuing validity. As we read in John one thirty three, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. The same tense is used by John, just a few verses earlier in John chapter 1 verse 29 The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world This is quoted when he talks about another important work of Jesus the taking away of the sins of the world the ministry of Jesus consists in taking away our sins and in giving us the holy spirit This twofold experience is also reported in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, which reads, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. After their eyes were opened to Christ, the disciples received both forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit. The same experience is reported about the believers in the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 and later in Acts chapter 11. Water baptism is known as the baptism of repentance in Acts chapter 19 verse 4. When we repent of sin and are baptized in the name of Jesus, we also receive the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 verses 28 to 39 reads... You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would rise up the Christ to sit on his throne... He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. In the New Testament, the receiving of the Holy Spirit and baptism belong together, they signal our new birth. In baptism, we are identified with Christ, and Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can live in His power and proclaim the good news. The baptism of the Spirit is no second work of grace at a later stage in life that some associate with miraculous gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12.13, Paul does not have in mind the unique experience of Pentecost, but rather the experience of all believers. 1 Corinthians 12.13 reads, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. He states that by one Spirit we all are baptized into one body, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. Paul emphasizes unity. The word all is crucial. Paul connects the initiation of all believers into the body of Christ with the baptism of the Spirit. So to finish the day, what has been your own experience in being baptized by the Holy Spirit? What has He meant for your life? What would you be like without the Holy Spirit working in your life? Monday, January 30, Being Filled with the Holy Spirit Question. Read Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, Acts thirteen fifty-two, and Romans 8, verse 9. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? How does being filled with the Spirit happen in our lives? First of all, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, And do not be drunk with wine, in which a dissipation but be filled with the Spirit. And Acts chapter 13, verse 52, And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And Romans 8 and verse 9, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Once we are baptized and belong to Christ, we should live in the power of the Spirit. For this to happen, we have to be filled with the Spirit. There are numerous references in the New Testament where people are filled with the Spirit. First of all, Luke chapter 1 and verse 41, and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Mary was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in the same chapter, Luke chapter 1 and verse 67, now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied... And then we'll look at Acts, chapter 2, and verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And Acts, chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Acts, chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. And Acts chapter 9 and verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Acts chapter 13 verse 9. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. The Apostle Paul uses the word filling to say that a person has completely submitted to God and is open to the guiding influence of the Holy Spirit so that God's own work can be accomplished in the person's life. If we yield to the influence of alcohol, our walk, talk and thoughts will be negatively affected. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit... We yield every part of our life to his transforming influence with the result that our walk, talk and thoughts will reflect Jesus. While the Spirit is given by the hearing of faith, as we read in Galatians 3.2, and is received through faith in Galatians 3.14, at our baptism in Titus 3 verses 5 and 6, we need to seek the infilling of the Holy Spirit every day we can't live off a powerful experience that we had last year or last month or even yesterday we need the infilling of god's spirit each day for each day brings its own challenges in the greek of acts chapter 13 verse 52 the term filled with the spirit is in the imperfect tense signifying continuous action it literally means being continuously filled Being filled with the Spirit is not a one-time event. It is something that we should seek and receive every day. This filling has to be repeated so that every part of our lives is filled with His presence and so we are empowered to live as we should. Being filled with the Holy Spirit does not so much mean that we possess more of Him, but that He possesses more of us. Only when we commit all aspects of our life to the Spirit every day can He use us to God's glory. And from Manuscript Releases, Volume 14, page 71, we read this little bit. I wish to impress upon you the fact that those who have Jesus abiding in the heart by faith have actually received the Holy Spirit. Every individual who receives Jesus as his personal Saviour just as surely receives the Holy Spirit to be his counsellor, sanctifier, guide and witness. Tuesday, January 31, Conditions, Part 1 God's Word points to certain conditions needed for the Spirit to abide in us. We will look at some important ones during the next two days. First of all, read Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 38. What is the first condition for receiving the Holy Spirit? Acts 2, beginning at verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the Apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. One condition for receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit is repentance. Hearing the word of God arouses our conscience and can lead us to an awareness of our true sinfulness and lost condition. True repentance is more than just feeling sorry for the dire consequences of our sins. It is a thorough change of heart and mind, so that we see sin for what it really is, an ugly evil and rebellion against God. The only way that we can experience true repentance is to be touched by the love of God. As it says in Romans 2 verse 4, Or, do you think lightly of the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Question. Read Galatians 3, verse 14, and James 1, verses 6 through to 8. Why can't we receive the Holy Spirit without trusting god's Word galatians three fourteen that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, and James one verses six through to eight, but let him ask in faith with no one doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Jesus has promised to send the Spirit as his representative. In faith, we receive the promised gift. But if we doubt God's promise and do not trust his word, we are like a double-minded person and cannot expect to receive anything from God. Faith is more than intellectual assent. It is putting our lives on the line, trusting that God will keep His word and not let us down, regardless of what happens. Question. Read Luke, chapter 11, verses 8 through to 10, and verse 13. Why does persistent intercession make a difference? Luke 11, verse 8. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to whom who who knocks, it will be opened. And then verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit, to those who ask Him. God is not reluctant to give us the Spirit. God is good and benevolent more than we can be even to our own children. Our persistent intercession does not change His mind. Our prayer changes us and brings us into God's presence. Prayer doesn't bring God to us, but brings us up to Him. Our prayers simply reveal our determination, and they prepare us for the gift. So to finish today, how can we learn to be more fervent, diligent and self-surrendering in our own prayer lives? Why is it important that we learn these things? Wednesday, February 1, Conditions, Part 2 Question. Read Acts chapter 5 and verse 32. Why is obedience to God's word an important condition for receiving the Holy Spirit? Acts chapter 5 and verse 32. And we are His witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. Then as now, the Holy Spirit is granted to all who obey God in the bible love and obedience go hand in hand and true faith is expressed in obedience if we trust god with all our hearts we will obey his commandments jesus said if anyone loves me he will keep my word in john 14:23 obedience is a choice leading to a lifestyle that follows god's will as expressed in his law we must continue in obedience if we want to acknowledge Jesus as our Lord. We read that in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? In First John chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, we are told that the one who says... I have come to know Him, and does not keep His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. But whoever keeps His word, in Him the love of God has truly been perfected. These are strong words. From John we also know, from 1 John 3.24, that the one who keeps His commandments abides in Him, and He in Him. We know by this that He abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. When we do what God has commanded, we will have peace of mind. Question. Read Luke chapter 18, verse 21. And the question is, why do we need to avoid all impurity if we want to be filled with the Spirit? Jude chapter, well, it only has one chapter, verses 18 to 21. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time, who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts, these essential persons who cause divisions not having the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, unto eternal life. The fire of the Holy Spirit cannot keep burning in our lives when we are worldly-minded. The Holy Spirit reacts very sensitively to the existence of all sin and worldliness in our lives. Therefore, we need to keep ourselves in the love of God and be connected with God through prayer so that we will shun all impurity and display a spirit of power, love and discipline as it says in Second Timothy Chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Only through a close and fierce battle with self can we become the kind of people we should be. Of course, we can't do it ourselves. The battle comes down to our choice of either surrendering our wills to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, or allowing the flesh to dominate. The choice is ours. And so to finish today, Ellen White wrote in Desire of Ages, pages 250 and 251, there is no limit to the usefulness of one who, putting self aside, makes room for the working of the Holy Spirit upon his heart, and lives a life wholly consecrated to God, end of quote. How can you apply these words to your own spiritual life? Thursday, february two Self centered living versus Christ centered living Question Read Galatians chapter five verses sixteen to twenty six and compare it with Ephesians chapter five verses one to nine and verses seventeen to twenty. List the differences between a self centered life and a life that is filled with the Spirit. First of all, Galatians chapter five verses sixteen. selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also tell you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law." And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And then Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through to 9. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to god for a sweet-smelling aroma but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting which are not fitting but rather giving of thanks For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord." Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And, verses 17 through to 20, Therefore, Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The life of a person who does not live in the spirit is radically different from the life and values of a person who is filled with the spirit. And there's a table here in the pamphlet, and it has two columns. And one part of the column is compared with the same part of the column on the other side. So we'll compare two things. Uh, Firstly, the self-centered person, and then the spirit-controlled person. The self-centered person desires what is sinful and displeasing to God. The spirit-controlled person desires what is spiritual and pleasing to God. The self-centered person is controlled by sinful passions. The spirit-controlled person is controlled by the spirit. The self-controlled person or the self-centered person misuses his or her freedom and gets enslaved in sin the spirit-controlled person is set free from the bondage of sin and is called to freedom in Christ. The self-centered person is obedient to God's will. The spirit-controlled person is obedient to God's will. The self-centered person is self-indulgent. The spirit-controlled person is self-sacrificing. The self-centered person displays the fruit of sin The Spirit-controlled person displays the fruit of the Spirit. And finally, the self-centred person does not recognise the need for forgiveness and is boastful of self, whereas the Spirit-controlled person recognises the need for forgiveness and praises Jesus for what he has done. The life of a person who is filled with God's Spirit is characterised by loving obedience to God's law, and a gentle spirit of compassion for others, as we read in Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. Having been renewed in our minds, and thinking, and having received new hearts and a new outlook on life, our values and behaviour will change. We want to live no longer in our own strength, but in submission to the Holy Spirit, as it says in Galatians 3.3. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? We cannot transform ourselves. We possess no real power to change ourselves, for sin is so deeply ingrained in us. The renewing energy must come from God. The change from within can be successful only through the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. No mere external change such as correcting this or that bad habit makes us Christians. The change has to come from a heart renewed by the Holy Spirit. This is the work of a lifetime, a work that will have its ups and downs, but a work that God promises to do in us if we surrender to Him. As it says in Philippians 1 verse 6, being confident in this very thing, that He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so to finish the day, in what areas of your life do you see the selfish, self-centered part come through? And in what parts do you see a life that reflects the working of the Holy Spirit in you? What does your answer tell you about yourself and the choices you need to make? Friday, February 3. It is only natural for a person to seek control of one's life. We normally depend on our own efforts to achieve all that we can. While many people spend their lives in a quest for control, others have an unhealthy fear of losing control. This human dilemma finds an answer only in God. He wants you to give Him, your Creator and Redeemer, full control. He knows and loves you as nobody else can. This opens the door for Him to work in your life. By choosing to submit your will to the leading of God's Holy Spirit, you will have His supernatural peace and boundless opportunities to be a blessing to others. But we need the desire for this power in our lives. God doesn't force Himself on any of us. To be moral beings, we need to be free beings, and to be truly free in Christ, we need a sense of abandonment, that of wanting to abandon our old, sinful, and fallen ways, and a sense of abiding, that of abiding in the power of the Holy Spirit. To be truly free, we must be truly surrendered to the control of the Holy Spirit. But there is no contradiction here. Our freedom is found in liberation from the condemnation and power of sin, which always enslaves us and always leads to death. Instead, by surrendering to the Lord and making way for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, not only are we no longer condemned, as it says in Romans 8.1, but we live a life where we do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That's the only true freedom that we, as sinful and fallen beings, can ever know. And that brings us to our three discussions, no, four discussion questions for this week. One, some people think that freedom consists of being able to do what you want, when you want, and how you want to do it. What's wrong with that concept from a Christian perspective? What is the biblical idea of true freedom? Well, we're going to look at some verses here. Psalm 119, verse 45. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. And Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And John chapter 8, verses 34 to 36. Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And Second Corinthians 3.17 Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and galatians chapter 5 and verse 1 stand fast therefore in the liberty by which christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage and question two why is it important to put self aside and consecrate our lives wholly to god before the holy spirit can work mightily through us What could God do in you that would make you more of a blessing to others if he put self aside and opened your heart to the workings of the Holy Spirit in you? 3. A quotation from The Desire of Ages, page 172. The Christian's life is not a modification or improvement of the old, but a transformation of nature. There is a death to self and sin and a new life altogether. This change can be brought about only by the effectual working of the Holy Spirit. End of quote. Discuss in class the implications of these words. And question 4. Compare the evidence of a self-centred life with a life that is spirit-filled, as we saw in the chart on Thursday study. Discuss with the members of your Sabbath school group what the greatest blessing of a spirit-filled life could be For us. Inside Story Our mission story this week is titled Lord, I can't find you, please find me. Hanel tore open her cousin's letter and began reading. "'I've given my life to Jesus,' her cousin wrote. "'What does that mean?' Hanel wondered. Hanel had sometimes attended Sunday school, but she'd never heard of someone giving their life to Jesus. Hanel longed for a similar experience with God, but wasn't sure how to have it. She attended several different churches and joined youth activities, but she didn't find what her cousin had described.' Hanel bought her Bible and read it through. She did things that she thought Christians did, but still she felt spiritually hungry. After finishing her university schooling, Hanel moved to Helsinki, Finland's capital city. There she met her future husband. Hanel invited him to attend church with her, hoping that he would find God and then show her how to find him too. But that didn't work. The couple had children and life became busy. Hanel had everything she wanted, except God. As she continued visiting churches, she prayed, "'Lord, I can't find you. Please find me.'" Hanel's teenage daughter decided to study in Australia for a year. Worried, Hanel prayed that her daughter would find a good family to live with, and she did, They were wonderful, Hanel said later. Greg, the father, helped us set up our computer so we could instant message one another. As we chatted, I got to know Greg and told him of my search for God. He told me that he had drifted away from his childhood church, but he suggested that I read his favourite book, The Desire of Ages. I found the book on the internet and read it. It changed my life. I read it again, this time comparing it with my Bible. At last I sensed that I was finding answers to my questions and a closer walk with God. Greg's father was a former missionary who answered Hanel's questions about God. He told her that he was a Seventh-day Adventist, but she had never heard of such a group. He explained that Adventists keep the Bible Sabbath and look forward to Jesus' return. Hanel's husband looked the church up on the internet and Hanel was reassured by what she read. Greg told her Nell about an Adventist TV station available on the internet. She watched several programs and rejoiced to find that her life was changing for the better. And this story will be continued in next week's Inside Story. This lesson has been read by Dr Percy Harold in the studios of Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired. It is brought to you by the Sabbath School Department and through the services of Hope Channel. Remember, God is always faithful.